with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I am your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer over at How Stuff Works, and I like technology except at this time of the year. It's the time of the year when I stick my neck out, get ready for my head to get chopped off, and predict what's going to happen in the following 12 months of tech. I'm recording this episode on December 15th, 2017, so technically there's still half a month of December left to go, but I'm looking ahead at 2018. This is the the last episode, I believe, of Tech Stuff to publish in the year 2017. So when you hear the next one, we'll be celebrating a new year. But first, let's uh before that all happens, let's let's kind of take some guesses. Um, and and I decided this year to make some more specific predictions rather than the really general ones I tend to go with because not only do I think you guys deserve more specific predictions, but it's also way easier to figure out if they came true or not. Here's the here's the secret, folks. After I make these episodes and they go live and a year passes and it comes time for me to look and evaluate how well I predicted things. I have to do all that research. I have to figure out, well, did what I said, did it, did it happen? Did it happen the way I thought it would? Did it happen a different way? That requires a huge amount of research. And the more general the prediction is, the harder it is to nail down whether or not it happened. But if I make very specific predictions, then I have a much better chance of knowing right away if I'm right or wrong. So, for example, if I predict that in 2018, Ewan McGregor becomes the CEO of Google, I'm going to know by December 2018. Now, of course, the challenge there is to make predictions that are not patently ridiculous, because that's just wasting your time, and I don't want to do that. So... Here's hoping that some of these predictions are interesting and that they are verifiable or falsifiable at the end of the year. Those are my goals. So with that being said, let us go to prediction number one, which is that VR headsets like Oculus Rift, HTC Vive, and others will have another lackluster year. We're not going to see a spike in sales. By the end of 2018, VR will not have made any real progress in home markets and will likely see several products discontinued, although the Vive and the Rift may survive just because they have larger corporations behind them. So in other words, I expect when I look at the analyst reports in December of 2018 that there won't be any months where VR headsets suddenly make incredible sales. We'll probably see some of those prices come down and we'll probably see the prices of the various computers that you need in order to run VR at a decent clip. We'll see those prices come down too, but I don't know that it's going to come down enough to make this a common household technology. And we're also starting to see a lot more development on the VR space with software, with experiences that you can have. That will help. I don't think it's going to be enough. So I think by this time... 2018, we're going to be looking at a pretty similar situation as far as virtual reality is concerned. I find that sad. I would love to see VR take off. I I just don't feel like it's quite catching on. I think we might be past the point where it could really hook in to the general consumer market. 
Prediction Number 2. Microsoft Mixed Reality Headsets, being the relatively new toy on the market, will get some initial buzz in the early part of 2018, but will largely suffer essentially the same fate as virtual reality headsets. And I think AR, augmented reality, has incredible potential to do really big business. I just don't think 2018 is going to be the year where it happens. So I don't expect big sales numbers. Now, augmented reality, in case you've forgotten, is the technology in which we are able to overlay or augment our experience of reality with some sort of digital information. Typically, we're looking at the world through a screen. So we're getting like a live video feed of our surroundings through a screen. And on that screen, we can overlay digital information and thus augment our experience. But there are a lot of other variations on this, like things that are audible as opposed to visual, that sort of stuff. I just don't think that the mixed reality headsets are going to be a huge consumer uh, piece of technology either. We might see it being used in industrial or uh, business-related uh, endeavors, but I don't think it's going to become the hot new consumer product. I don't think you're going to go home, put on your mixed reality headset, and then do some computing. I could be wrong about that. It all depends on how the technology is positioned and how it's marketed. But uh, I would be surprised if mixed reality really takes off in the consumer space in 2018. Prediction number three. We're going to see autonomous car service rolled out for realsies, not just as a limited test case in at least one market in the United States before the end of 2018. Now, this is similar to a prediction I made for 2017, where I said that Uber was going to try and do a truly autonomous test system in a major U.S. market where there'd be no driver in the driver's seat. It would truly be an autonomous car with no human operator there to step in line. But that did not happen. I do think we're going to see at least a limited rollout of autonomous car service in one market in the U.S., not as a test, but as this is our service moving forward in this market by the end of 2018. That's a not that bold of a prediction, I would argue, because we've seen some of this in prototype stages throughout 2017. Uh, Uber was operating some autonomous vehicle services in Pittsburgh, in Arizona, uh, in San Francisco, but all of those were with a human operator in the car as well. Um, I think that before 2018 is over, someone, maybe not Uber, but someone will be operating a truly autonomous car service in a major market. I don't know that it'll be a huge success, but I think it will happen. So that'll be something to look out for in 2018. Prediction number four. Congress is going to give the nod to Disney and 21st Century Fox and say, yes, Disney, you can acquire 21st Century Fox. This will take several months, but it will happen. Disney will then end up being the 60% owner of Hulu, because they already own 30% of Hulu, and Fox owns another 30% of Hulu. But they're also going to go ahead and develop their own streaming service on top of their majority ownership of Hulu. So, the... Landscape of 2018, December 2018, will be that the massive entertainment industry will be more 
under Disney's belt than ever before. Disney will control all those assets that 21st Century Fox had that were related to entertainment. 21st Century Fox, uh, the company, Murdoch's company, will still have some of Fox's uh, properties under it. But a large portion of that goes to Disney. It means lots of different things. It means that we could potentially see lots of those uh, those Fox owned or Fox licensed properties from Marvel make their way into Disney's Marvel movies. That would include the Fantastic Four and the X-Men and Deadpool and characters like that. Uh, but on a bigger scale, it means all sorts of things. Uh, it means an impact to streaming services. It means that we're going to see increasingly more of our entertainment come from a decreasing number of major studios, which isn't necessarily a good thing. We also will see that uh, Star Wars, A New Hope, which was in perpetuity given to 21st Century Fox, will now join all of its brothers and sisters of the Star Wars properties under Disney, which means, potentially, we could get a digitally remastered version of the cinematic releases of the original trilogy. In other words, before the special editions, we could get a fully cleaned up version of those movies because Disney will own all of them. Before Fox had the agreement that they own the rights to A New Hope, and thus there was very little hope that we were ever going to get that cinematic release, the the one where Han shot first, or actually Han shot, period, uh, that one we now could potentially get. That's a big one. I don't think we're going to get it in 2018, but I think it could happen. Prediction number five. After numerous heated discussions, Congress will overturn the FCC's decision in December 2017 to reverse the decision classifying broadband internet as a public utility. That one was made back in 2015. This is going to be the result of lots of lawsuits and arguments in Congress. I think ultimately Congress is going to take a look at the groundswell of support in the United States among citizens to maintain net neutrality, to keep those rules in place. Uh, and will say, hey, we can't really risk going against the will of the people without putting ourselves in danger. Right now, if you are in Congress, you're probably looking at your position as being on shaky ground at best because things are very tumultuous in United States politics. And as a result, even if you don't necessarily side with the net neutrality argument, your constituency might. And that would mean that you have a vested interest in making sure that you kind of support it so that you don't have an angry mob of constituents at home who then will vote your butt out of office the next time a vote comes around. That might be an overly optimistic view of what is going to happen, but I suspect that we're going to see this decision from the FCC blocked in some way in 2018. Uh, and again, it may come from the courts or it may come from Congress. But I don't think we're going to get through 2018 with those new considerations in place. Um, the FCC argues, by the way, that net neutrality will still be a thing. It's just it won't be an official regulation. The government won't be enforcing net neutrality, but the Internet service providers will maintain net neutrality out of self-interest. That might 
possibly be true if in the United States we had a true free market with internet service providers. If you had multiple choices for an ISP within your market, then you could argue, all right, well, net neutrality isn't protected, but if one company decides to act in a way that is uh, contrary to net neutrality, I could just stop my service with them and go to a competitor. But that's not the way it works in the United States. Most regions in the U.S. that have broadband access have at most two ISPs to choose from, and most of them only have one. So if you only have one choice, there's nowhere else to go. So the argument that the free market will maintain net neutrality to me seems disingenuous because there's not really a free market in the ISP business in the United States. So I suspect that ultimately this is going to get overturned. Prediction number six. By the end of 2018, the percentage of cord cutters in the U.S. will uh, be such that we'll see 30 million people cutting the cord total. Now, in 2017, that number was at 22.2 million. We had 22.2 million cord cutters by 2017. That's not throughout the year, but in total. That was up from 16.7 million in 2016. So I think that trend is not just going to continue. I think it's going to pick up a little more speed. So it they gained a little bit more than five and a half um, million cord cutters in 2017. I think we're going to go closer to 7.8 million in 2018. So that's going to knock us up to 30 million total, 30 million people who have cut the cord and they no longer subscribe to traditional cable or satellite television. They will they might subscribe to a virtual subscription on a smart TV or a console or some other solution, but they will abandon the traditional satellite or cable option. That's my prediction for cutting the cord. And that the never cords, those are people who are of adult age who have never paid for traditional cable or satellite, that number is going to go up too, just because you're going to have more people reach the age of 18 who still have never done that and don't have any plans to do it. So that number is going to keep going up too, just as a result of younger generations reaching the age of maturity and not having ever bought a cable or satellite package for television. But uh, we're also going to see more and more households that have been doing that cut those ties. And that, uh, as a result, is also going to have massive implications across the entertainment industry because you're going to see advertising react as a result of that. If you have fewer people watching your ads, then those ads have less value, and that's going to have this ripple effect throughout the industry. And it'll be really interesting to see where things go from there. I don't think it's going to be massively disruptive by the end of 2018, but it's going to continue this trend of disruption that I imagine we'll see hit its peak in maybe another four or five years. And uh, at that point, who knows what will come next? But I think the landscape will be drastically different. Well, I've got a lot more predictions about 2018 coming up. But first, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor. All right, we're up to prediction number seven. There will be at least one 
and probably more than one, security breaches on the scale of the Equifax breach in 2017. Because while we pay a lot of lip service toward security, it's way easier to talk about being secure than to actually take the steps and make sure we are are doing it. And plus, we're human beings and we're wacky, yo. So this, I think, is a gimme. I would be shocked if we get through 2018 without another massive security breach making the news. It may be that it's a breach that a company tries to cover up. That seems to be the MO for a lot of companies. It never works out well for them. It always eventually will find its way to the public. And then it's way worse at that point. Equifax is a great example. The uh, the initial uh, vulnerability was found in March. The earliest evidence of an attack was found in May. And no one talked about it till September. And by then, more than 130 million accounts had been breached and accessed. And potentially, all that personal data is now compromised. So I suspect we're going to see something along those lines again. Don't know who will be the target. Could be anybody. Don't know what vulnerability they'll use. Could be anything. But just from the fact that no one ever seems to really get their head around how to practice good security tells me that this is going to happen. In the case with Equifax, the company was even aware of the vulnerability before the first attack apparently happened, but failed to act to to solve that, despite the fact that the company has a policy of fixing such problems within 48 hours of discovering them. That just didn't happen with the Equifax data breach. Uh, I suspect we're going to see something all, along those lines in 2018. I'd rather not. I, I have been personally affected by some of these, the Yahoo breach, the Equifax breach. It's all going to happen again, though. Uh, just because there's no such thing as a perfect secure system. And there's way too many examples of companies that just don't take the right steps to address vulnerabilities once they are found. They drag their feet because fixing problems is expensive and it takes time and it takes energy away from doing business. But if you don't do it, the amount you're going to have to spend in order to correct the problems that will happen will dwarf anything you would have spent just fixing the problem in the first place. So I would love to be proven wrong on this. Hopefully, December 2018, I'll say, wow, we got through 2018 without any major breaches. I would love to be proven wrong. I just don't think it's going to happen. Prediction number eight. Apple's next iPhone, which I'm betting will not have a number associated with it, so it's not going to be the iPhone 11, it'll be called something else, maybe just the iPhone, it'll be an incremental upgrade to iPhone 10. So it's not going to be some sort of massive evolution of the iPhone 10. Now, Johnny Ives, Sir Johnny Ives, uh, has once again taken the helm of design over at Apple. He's personally involved. However, I don't think his influence is likely going to be seen that much in the products that come out next year. I don't think that's going to really be a major uh, component for another generation or so because it takes more than a year of work to produce these products. So the next iPhone, the iPhone whatever it will be called, but I don't think it'll be called the iPhone 11, 
is already well in the development stage at this point. It's It's got to be because by the time September 2018 rolls around, it has to be ready to go to manufacturing plants and be produced in large numbers. That means that it already has to be well along the development cycle. That being, and since Johnny Ives just came back over into the design section and got really hands on with everything, I think that means we will not see a direct evidence of his involvement, of his influence, at least not beyond what we see in Apple products in general. Uh, this next generation, it's going to take another generation before that happens. Prediction number nine. We're going to see a rise in cord cutting, which will have a big effect on advertising, but we'll also see a rise in ad blocking online. We're going to see more and more people installing ad blockers and developing ad blockers. This is going to encourage more sites to use ad blocker detectors. If you've ever used an ad blocker and you've gone to one of those sites, you've probably seen a pop-up appear saying, hey, we see you're using an ad blocker. Please don't do that. If you want to look at our stuff, whitelist our site so that we can make money. Sometimes you can't even view the original content until you have whitelisted them or paused your ad blocker or whatever it may be. This is likely going to inspire more people to file lawsuits against such practices. There's an argument going on that says it's a violation of privacy for a web page uh, or a website to look into what your browser has in order to serve you up this information of, oh, I see you're using an ad blocker. They say, well, that's a violation of privacy because you're staring at what I'm using on my computer and I didn't give you permission to do that. This is still unraveling as I record this podcast. Uh, so we're probably going to see that continue in 2018. It's going to be a big mess. And this is going to bring the question everyone is worried about closer to the foreground. It's going to bring this question up that people are going to have to grapple with, which is how do you make money creating content on the internet in a way that does not alienate your customers? I have a vested interest in this question. This podcast is ad supported. Without those ads, there's no revenue. Without revenue, we, I don't get paid. We don't have a space to record in. We don't have money to host these podcasts. These podcasts stop getting recorded. The company goes away. That's our source of revenue. So we'd want to be able to do this. I love my job. I love doing what I do. But I can't just do it for free. I don't get paid in songs and sandwiches. I, I can't pay my rent with any sort of goodwill from you listeners. I, I need I need cash money, yo. It's a hard knock life out there. So we as creators have a responsibility to come up with ways that allow us to make money uh, off of our ideas and do it in such a way that is not too intrusive or irritating or otherwise off-putting. That's our responsibility. It's also the responsibility of the advertisers to come up with methods that are effective, that give you the information you need to act upon those advertisements so that this whole cycle works. Uh, if it doesn't, then obviously something's broken and eventually the system collapses. Well, this is true across the entire web. It's not just podcasts, but on regular websites. And I look, I'm a web user. I find ads 
really, really irritating as well. I was using uh, a browser to look at content the other day. I did not have an ad blocker in place. I'm reading an article, a paragraph and a half down into the article, I get an enormous full screen overlay of an ad playing music, completely obscuring the article I was trying to read. That is obnoxious. Nobody wants that. And it's that sort of stuff that continues the argument, hey, I want to use an ad blocker because otherwise my experience is terrible. That's a valid argument to make. But on the other hand, if you don't have the ads, you can't pay to have that content. You can't create the content. You're not going to do it for free. So we're going to see this really kind of become a battleground in 2018. This this is going to be the, the, we got to sit down and fix this because it's broken right now and nobody is coming out a winner. We want to have something that is giving value to our customers, that is giving value to the advertisers, and that allows us to make the stuff we want to make. Uh, I don't have the answer to what that is, by the way. I am a lowly content creator. Uh, I know what I hate. I hate I hate really obnoxious ads. I don't hate all ads. Some ads I find either entertaining or helpful. Uh, a lot of ads that are based off my browsing behavior, I actually kind of like because I end up seeing stuff that I'm interested in, but I might not have ever known about. So those I actually enjoy, but, uh, and I have, I've clicked on those ads and bought stuff that way. But you got to be really careful how you do that, too, because obviously if you do too much of that, it becomes kind of creepy, right? It feels like someone's spying on you and getting to know everything you like, and that doesn't feel great either. So there's definitely some sort of line we need to figure out to follow as an industry and hopefully come out with a solution that works for everybody, because otherwise we're just going to continuously have this battle where people create different types of ad blockers just to ignore ads entirely. And ultimately that's going to lead to an entire industry crumbling in on itself because it can't support itself anymore. The advertisers will pull out because they're saying no one's seeing our ads in the first place and then no money comes in. And then without money, you can't run a business or so I'm told. I don't know. I still buy everything on the barter system. Three walking birds to the wooden nickel, I say. Prediction number 10. We're heading toward a subscription service crash in which we'll see such a saturation in the market for subscription-based entertainment services. I'm talking about stuff like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Video and all the others that are coming out. There will be a general backlash. And I think we'll get through 2018 before all of this kind of shakes out, but things will start to heat up toward the end of 2018 with more consumers getting disenchanted with how many different competing services there are and what they're expected to do in order to get all the content they want. So by the end of 2018, I expect there's going to be all these different articles about here's the list of services I have to subscribe to if I want to be able to watch the things I would be able to see if I still used pay TV, right? Because that was the, that was the beauty of this originally. Everyone was thinking, Hey, when we get to this world, I'll be able to subscribe to just the things I want. I won't be subscribing to a cable package where I get 400 channels of which I will watch three. And on those three channels, I may be watching five shows. 
total. So I'm paying all this money for five shows. Wouldn't it be great if I had a service where I could just pay for those five shows and not anything else and save money and frustration? Except what we're getting is all these different subscription services that sort of approximate that pay TV model with massive gaps in every single service. Every service has gaps that other services kind of fill in. And then you think, well, for me to get the experience I want, I have to subscribe to eight different services. I'm not saving any money, and it's just frustrating as a consumer. I think by the end of 2018, we're going to see that frustration build to a high point. And in 2019, I would argue, we're going to start seeing some of those subscription services phase out because people will just start to object with their wallets. Prediction number 11. By the end of 2018, we will reach the point in America where more retail dollars will be spent online than in physical brick-and-mortar stores. So there's going to be the actual tipping point where online revenues overall are going to be higher than traditional stores. Now, we haven't hit that point yet, but 2018 will be that tipping point, and there will be no going back after we hit that. Now, that does not mean I suspect we'll see tons of real places shut down in 2018. We're going to see some. We've already seen several stores kind of go belly up over the last few years. That's going to continue in 2018, but I don't think it's going to be massive. I don't think this is where we see the general stores just turning upside down throughout the course of the year. The trend will continue, but it'll be, I think, another decade before this effect really starts to impact stores in a way that causes massive closures, which obviously leads to lots of other problems. You have entire towns or city centers that will be essentially vacant because the stores that would have occupied those spaces will no longer have the revenues to support themselves. They'll they'll go bankrupt. They'll go out of business. And so further down the road, we're going to have this issue with what do we do with all that that real estate? What happens to all those spaces? I mean, we may be getting all of our stuff online. What happens to those physical locations that used to have stores in them? And I'm sure we'll come up with different solutions to that problem. I'm sure different cities will try different approaches. Some may reclaim that real estate and turn it into something else, whether it's residential. They may rezone to residential uh, neighborhoods. They may turn them into public spaces. Uh, maybe we'll just see a whole bunch of poke restaurants opening up everywhere, which I'm totally cool with. I love poke. So you know, that's the way things are going. If I can't walk three blocks without running into 15 poke places, hey, fine by me. Prediction number 12. Google will start to roll out Wi-Fi-based internet services to some cities, similar to how it rolled out fiber, but with the goal of having faster deployment. Because here in Atlanta, Google Fiber has been a thing on the way for like four years. They still haven't laid fiber in my neighborhood. And to be fair, they've backed off on a lot of the places where they said they were going to deploy. But Atlanta was one of those where they had already made the commitment and just hasn't rolled out very quickly. It's not entirely the company's fault. They've encountered resistance everywhere you turn. So I think they're going to try and switch to a wireless approach, a gigabit wireless approach. Uh, but I, I imagine they're still going to encounter some similar issues, mostly involving where they can set up transmitter towers. Because that's a big thing even in Atlanta now. You've, you'll see different areas in Atlanta opposing the construction of a new cell tower, for example. 
but I don't think it's going to be nearly as tough as it was to get clearance for stuff like utility pole access. That was a crazy battle Google had to fight over and over and over again, uh, and largely did so, I think, as a way of setting a precedent for other companies. I don't think Google's intention was to really become a massive internet service provider across multiple cities in the United States. I think it was more about let's set some rules that other companies can follow in the future to make this a more competitive space. It just hasn't really happened because as it turns out, if you want to be an ISP, you need a whole lot of money to get into that game. And most companies just don't have that kind of capital. So it ends up being the game of a few major uh, companies in most regions. If you're lucky, you have a few. Most of us only have one or maybe two. All right, I've got a few more predictions, but before I jump into those, let's take another quick break and thank our sponsor. Prediction number 13. By the end of 2018, automation will have eliminated more jobs than it creates. Now, that's not necessarily the end game. I do think automation is going to create more jobs along the way. And maybe ultimately we'll see things even out or even see automation create more jobs than it displaces. But I think in 2018, which I view as the short term of this journey, we're going to be hard strapped to make more jobs than it displaces. I think it's going to be pretty bleak for a lot of people and not just in the blue collar industries. I think in the white collar industries, we're going to see a lot of uh, of bots and AI programs and algorithms replace what traditionally would go to people, you know, like human people being things. They're going to be out of a job. Uh, it's going to be rough. It is not good, uh, at least not in the short term, especially not for those people. It, it might be good for the companies in that it could help them cut some of their costs and thus improve profits. But while that's good for a very few people, it's bad for a whole bunch of others. So uh, I don't want that to happen. I'd like to be proven wrong on this one, but I suspect, at least in the short term, that's what it's going to be like. Now, maybe we will find creative ways to make new jobs for those people and find ways to train them for those new jobs. That seems to be like the optimist approach to this view of the future, the idea that robots and other forms of automation will just take over jobs that are difficult, deadly, dangerous, or dull. And we humans will be freed up to do wonderful other jobs that are much more rewarding and less dangerous and less, uh, you know, less mind-numbingly dull. But we have to create those jobs and we have to figure out how to make sure people can do those jobs. If it's someone who was doing menial labor and they suddenly are being put into a position that is asking much more of them, we have to be sure that we give them the tools they need in order to do that job, which includes training and education. I'm not convinced that we have put those those uh, pieces in place. I think we're doing the automation before we've got the tools to help people affected by the automation to do something else. And it feels very reactionary to me. So maybe I'm a pessimist in that sense. Maybe there actually are far more tools than I'm giving it credit for. But uh, I feel a lot of empathy for people who are displaced, whether it's through automation or some other corporate maneuver. And I often feel that 
any sort of solution that we create for those folks tends to come after a big wave has already affected a bunch of people. And that just means that people are suffering during that time. I hate that. Uh, but then I'm very squishy person. Less squishy than I was a year ago, but that's due to weight loss. Prediction number 14. The trend that started, I would argue, really got started in 2017 of women stepping forward to reveal how they had been mistreated, abused, or worse, will sadly continue in 2018. Now, I say sadly not to suggest that these women shouldn't come forward. They absolutely should. Rather, I say sadly because I suspect the problems women have experienced are deeply ingrained in our society in general and the tech world in particular. So I expect we're going to see a dozen or more major stories about harassment or worse in the technosphere in 2018. Now, my hope is that through these stories, we can shake things out to make a better environment for everyone moving forward. In other words, I'm not sad about people getting called out on bad behavior. I think it's necessary. I think we have to have this reckoning, as some people call it, so that we can get rid of some rotten foundation and build a better future for everybody. And I'll go further with this argument. I think it's important because it means for a very long time, and women know this and minorities know this, uh, People who are like me, who are straight white males, it's it's easy to ignore this. There are voices that have gone unheard for way too long, and those voices have value, and they can make contributions that can change our world in phenomenal, meaningful ways if we listen to them. But we haven't, traditionally, uh, with a few major exceptions— and I would love to see those exceptions just become the rule so that we as a whole benefit. It's not just women are doing better in the, in technology or minorities are, are more represented in various fields. It's we all get to benefit from the genius that various people possess regardless of their gender or sexual orientation or ethnicity or any of those other things. Because ultimately, the way I view the past, where we have not listened to people very much, we being my fellow straight white male dudes, uh, means that we missed out on a ton of stuff that we could have really used. Um, we There's no telling how many amazing ideas were never brought forward because no one was listening. I want to see that change. That means that in the short term, we're going to have a really rocky, rocky road and not the ice cream. We're going to have lots of major upsets. And I think it's necessary for us to get to where we need to be. Um, it's not going to be pretty, but it's going to be necessary. Prediction number 15, Star Citizen, the video game that has been in development since 2011, 2012, will not emerge from beta in 2018. It seems like it's the safest bet ever. So if you don't, if you're not familiar with Star Citizen, it is a, a game that started going under development in 2011. A Kickstarter in 2012 raised uh, a good amount of money. And since then, the total amount of money raised 
to develop this game is somewhere around $170 million. 2017, the game still hasn't come out. It's still in alpha. Various stages of the game are in alpha because there's no full game in alpha that's available at all. There are various parts of the game available in alpha. The game itself is supposed to be a persistent science fiction game where you can... uh have your own spaceship. You can actually purchase spaceships with real money. You can spend real world money to buy a spaceship in the game. Uh, different spaceships cost different amounts, and then you can tool around space, and there's all this other stuff that will potentially uh, be in the final game, but because there is no final game yet, we haven't actually seen it happen. There's been some really cool stuff incorporated into the alpha, like a real-time facial capture technology that allows you to have uh, your character have the same facial expressions you have. Your webcam picks up your facial expressions and transmits them to your character's face, which I understand is a supremely creepy thing to see in person, but it's kind of a cool technology. But it's it's one part of an overall game that doesn't really exist yet. I say that by 2018's end, it still will not be out of beta. In fact, I'll be amazed if it's in beta and not just still in various stages of alpha. But uh, there's no way, I think, that that game comes out in 2018, uh, which is unfortunate for people who have been waiting for so long. Prediction number 16. There will be a Bitcoin value crash in 2018, but the cryptocurrency will recover, at least to the point where it returns to at least $10,000 per Bitcoin. It hit that in November 2017. It skyrocketed. It then dipped in value, and it's fluctuated quite a bit since November 2017. Sometime in 2018, I think this value is going to drop significantly. I'm talking like down to $5,000 per coin or less. But I think it's going to recover and grow back to at least $10,000, maybe $11,000 per coin by the end of 2018. Maybe more than that. But... um I do think there's going to be a, a what they call a market correction or what other people would call a massive crash in value. Uh, that's just my prediction. Now, by the end of 2018, it may turn out that there was no crash at all and the Bitcoin value just kept going up. That's why I'm making this prediction specific. So that way, at the, at the end of the year, I can take a look at the value of Bitcoin and I can say, oh, I got it right. Or no, I got it totally wrong. Prediction number 17. We're going to see a big, serious push in podcasting in 2018. It's really going to become a, a massively major form of media in 2018. This is fueled from huge successes like S-Town and the Serial series, as well as some of the old standards that have been around for years, like cough stuff you should know, cough. Expect to see a flood of new shows some of them are going to be limited series with a set number of episodes, stuff like Serial and S-Town, where it's a season. You get maybe six or eight or 10 or 12 episodes, and that's it. Others are going to be more open-ended and will publish until people stop listening or the hosts decide to do something else. But we're going to see more development of programming in this space, similar to what you might see in television or radio. That's going to be a big, big thing in 2018. And... um that's kind of insider baseball, I think. All right, I got one last prediction. I thought I had 17, but I have 18. Final prediction is we're going to have more bots. Either voice-activated assistants or having those voice-activated assistants incorporated into more technologies. 
We're going to have more automated customer service representatives and other implementations of bots, just more bots that we interact with on a, on a social level, whether that's through some sort of uh, exchange where we're trying to buy something or get some customer service or whatever, or we're trying to interact with it in order to control the technology around us, whatever it may be. We're going to see a whole lot more of that in 2018. We're going to see a growth in the use of bots as a point of service. I think that's a real area of development. If you are in computer science and you're looking at different areas that you might want to explore, working to create better, more adept, more useful bots, that's a growth industry right now. I don't know if it's going to be a growth industry for more than maybe five or 10 years, but for right now, it's really a valuable space. And that's it. Those are my 18 predictions for 2018. Hey, that worked out. I didn't, didn't plan on that. It just happened. So a year from now, I will revisit these and see if I was, you know, on target or if I was way off base. And I'm sure there are going to be things that happen in 2018 that will dwarf all of these predictions. It's going, and it's going to seem obvious in hindsight. I'm going to say, why didn't I predict that Elon Musk would turn into a light being from Alpha Centauri and rule us from his base on the moon? I don't, it was so obvious that might happen, but I didn't predict it here. If it does happen, I'm totally calling that a prediction, by the way, because that would be amazing. I look forward to 2018 with you guys. Uh, thank you so much for being with me on this journey through 2017. I hope that we continue to explore technology together in all its forms. And I welcome you to write to me. Let me know what you would like me to cover. Maybe there's a particular technology that interests you that you want me to talk about. Or maybe there's a company you've always wanted to know the inside story about. Or a person that you think is instrumental in technology that I should profile. Maybe there's someone you would like to be a guest on the show. I would love to hear from you. Email me. The address for our website, well, website, our podcast, is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can contact me on Facebook or Twitter. The handle of both of those is techstuffhsw. We also have an Instagram account. Follow that. Give us some love over there. Uh, and remember, I record on Wednesdays and Fridays, and I live stream my recording sessions. You can check that out at twitch.tv slash techstuff. Just pop over there. You'll see where the schedule is when I record on Wednesdays and Fridays. You can join the chat room, and you can watch as I stumble my way through the world of technology. And that's it. Happy New Year. I'll see you guys in 2018 really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 